0: Intro music to dianabroad.com podcast is Rafael Javadov. He wrote that f- jazz infusion piece for me in 2008, 2009 maybe. He's a child prodigy, lives in Baltimore now. He's from Arasha, Rafael Javadov. Diane Schindler here from dianabroad.com. You can email me at diane D-I-A-N-N, at dianabroad.com. This is the second podcast. It's entitled Confessions and Quito. I thought I was going to have one confession. And as I began preparing this podcast, I realized I have at least three. So you should hang on to hear that. I'm in Quito, Ecuador. My first, very first podcast was a few weeks ago. And I promised you at that first podcast, that the second podcast would be my interviewing Constance of Lahulas, my bestie, 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 who lives in Asheville, North Carolina. Well, <sighs> I confess, we failed. As hard as we tried, Constance and me, Constance I, and I, as hard as we tried, we had technical difficulties and ran out of time. Bummer, bummer. So that is postponed. That's my first confession. So forgive me. I'm in Quito, Ecuador. I've been here five, six days. I flew from Charlotte to Quito, two hundred and eighty dollars, JetBlue. Oh, what a great, um, what a great price! And so, this podcast: a couple more confessions, and then some facts about Quito, and a couple anecdotal experiences before we end this podcast. Here's the second confession. When I reserved my room in Quito, I must have been drinking vino tinto because it's a hostel and I didn't know it was a hostel. I knew it was a single room and a private bath and it was in downtown. That is to say it was in historic Quito. But when I went to the airport and the shuttle service for the hostel picked me up. I didn't know it was a hostel until they pulled up to the door and there it said La Rosata, la mm, I always do this song. La Rosario hostel. I thought, "Oh my god, what have I done?" So, I went in. And you know about hostels like I know about hostels. They're for play, they're places for people who can't afford anything. And they're usually young kids backpacking. Maybe there's some drugs, maybe there's some marijuana. Well, that's not so bad. But yeah, maybe there's some drugs, maybe there's some marijuana. But it's really kind of, um, you know, a dormitory thing. Well, I knew I had a single room and a bath, so it wasn't going to be that. Anyway, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you about La Rosario, It is the cleanest hotel I have ever stayed in my entire life. And the cleanest in the last year. I've been in 21 countries, 21 different countries in the last year. You can look in the corner, every corner and nook and cranny in this hotel and not find a speck of dust. There is maid service, daily maid service. The maids wear white uniforms and they are cleaning every room. I have daily maid service. I have hot water. The bed is perfect. The cli- the linens are perfect. The lighting is actually pretty bright and, you know, not so much in Europe. It's a small room, but it has a sh- what my first mother-in-law, haha, <laughs> my former mother-in-law, called a shiffer robe. Um, it's got a little desk. It's got windows. And made service every single day. It has um, a kitchen self-serve kitchen downstairs open 24 hours laundry service you get your laundry back in in two hours and it's two dollars you can see uh, practically see your image in the tile floor and they have a buffer to buff the tile floors every week there is there are uh, bouquets of fresh roses throughout the hotel, the hostel at the front desk, they were pink in the hall, they were orange up near my room, they were fuchsia it's uh, I'm just so impressed with this hostel and, and it's $18 a night boom shakalaka, $18 a night when I arrived, Christian greeted me he was wonderful, he carried my luggage upstairs and then the next morning, he said, I will find. I want to eat. And he said, let me call. Here's a place I think you should go. It's three blocks away. And I had a beautiful breakfast. And so I can't say enough about my hostel. <clears throat> so I liked it so much that I decided to extend my stay. But I'll tell you more about that. So that's my second confession. I'm staying in a hostel. Oh, my gosh. So let me tell you a little bit about Quito. Quito is the, um, uh, some, uh, some facts for you, forgive me, but it's important to know if you come to Ecuador, you don't need a visa if you're a U.S. citizen, but you can come for 90 days, um, full length of time, 90 days. I read somewhere online that when you arrive, you need to demonstrate that you are with, you know, some evidence, for example, a flight, record of a purchased flight that you're leaving Ecuador, before 90 days, and oh gosh, I kind of panicked because I, rem, I, rem, I didn't remember reading that until I'm standing in the line of security. Well, here's the good news they didn't ask me to demonstrate that I would be leaving Quito. A U.S. citizen, you only have 90 days in Quito, in, um, in Ecuador. It's probably the same for each country in South America. The U.S. dollar is the currency, Spanish is the language. <coughs> it is. Um, you know, the outlets are just like American USA outlets, like electrical outlets, and it's 9,400 feet above sea level. I just, and we're here at the rainy, I'm here at the rainy season, so I had this notion that this was going to be like Seattle in February. And Seattle in February is a monsoon, it's overcast, it's dark, it's dreary, it's wet, it's really, really bad. And so with the idea of being 9,400 feet up, I would probably get altitude sickness. Also, because of the wet season, I thought I'd be depressed. (laughs) So I decided just to stay here six days at first and probably two days of just getting used to the altitude. Well, that didn't happen. I mean, I am kind of out of breath. I might be out of breath just sitting here on my bed in my hostel room. Certainly, you have to t- be careful when you walk you just have to take your time but i really have, haven't felt sick just a little bit of shortness of breath every once in a while and it's only been 5 days so back so um it's 9400 feet up the population of quito is 2.7 million it's the historical center of the city where i am staying is the least altered and the best preserved historical s- area in all of south america the climate is described as fairly, const, uh, fairly constant and cool. Constant because we're, you know, we're on the equator. Um, so you're going to have the same light, as the same, same darkness, and the same temperature. The average temperature at noon throughout the year is 66 degrees. At night throughout the year is 49 degrees. Only two seasons, wet and dry. Won't you know, I came here during the wet season. Now, of course, that's why the flight was $280 from Chicago, I'm sure. One way, Jet Blue $280 to Quito. But let me be clear. It's beautiful. It's been beautiful. It's p- been partly sunny, sli- and a little overcast occasionally. No rain. Well, rained one hour, one day. And yes, it was a downpour, but it was only an hour. I ducked into a little ice cream parlor. That was not so bad. I, you know, I brought raincoats, rain hats. I brought boots. I brought sweaters. Oh my gosh, I brought all this winter stuff. And it's really, I I haven't had to use it. Actually, I just stuffed it in my little special backpack that Constance Vlahoulis insists that I buy, and uh, in Charlotte, which turned out to be a, a good suggestion. So I've used it every day. So it's beautiful weather. So now go back to the notion of the hostel. Um, go back to the notion of uh, 9,400 square, 9,400 feet up thinking I was going to get uh, altitude sickness and the the weather was going to be too much for me while well, I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Confession, confession, confession. And so I extended my day. I extended my stay for another week because The weather is beautiful. The hostel is lovely. The people are just great. Very little English, but we're working through it. My Spanish is coming back a little bit. Um, it's a beautiful area. Reminds me a little bit of about a, like a larger Madeira Island, Portugal, which is off of the mainland in Portugal. it's And Madeira Island is in the Azores. It's um, a volcanic island, actually. It's only th- like 35 miles long. But all along the mountains and volca- the volcanoes, the sides of the, of the volcanic mountains are, it's plastered with houses, beautiful pink and yellow and green houses. And that's the same thing here plastered with houses, but, you know, there are volcanoes all the way around, but um, Quito is much larger, of course, than Madeira Island. Uh, Frankly, I don't know the square footage, the square mileage, the meters, so forgive me for that. So there you have my confessions, and there you have some information about Quito. Well, let me tell you that um, when I was I asked about directions at front desk, and, and Christian was fabulous, and he showed me a map, he drew on the map, he marked the map with markers to show me how to get to the basilica. The basilica was fabulous. The basilica is like um, three quarters of a mile, um, he, and he also told me about an area that is an artisan's market and it's a non-touristy artist artisan area. It's about a mile and two miles from here. I'll walk there tomorrow. But yesterday I decided to go to other markets. I got my, um, my raincoat, my rain hat, my run- my umbrella and my camera and my trusty GPS and, um, my camera in a situa- in a, such a way that it couldn't be, wouldn't be visible. And I put my money in a little money belt underneath my sweater and I started walking. I saw few, if any um, Americans or Canadians or non uh, non-ecuadorians and uh, it w- it was Saturday, so I was in the midst of, of uh, a lot of people and it was it was a beautiful day. So I had to take off my hat, had to take off my sweater, had to take off my raincoat, and I, re- I never used my, never used my umbrella. So I walked through that area, and my goal was to get to the Virgin of Quito. The Virgin of Quito is a hundred and thirty-five foot tall s- statue, um, and it's ninety-nine hundred feet above sea level. This is like ninety-four down here, ninety-four, ninety-five down in. the Quito, but this is more obviously. So I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm walking, and I get to the stairs, the stairs going straight up to the Virgin of Quito, and it's like 400 feet, 400 feet, and that's not so bad. But it's all steps, steps. Once I'm just trying to figure out. How m- I think there are like 900 steps to um, the Washington Monument. I'll have to look that up. And, but th- I think there are more than 900 steps. So I pack everything away in my little backpack, get out my water, and I begin. Every 15 or 20 steps, I had to stop. I had to stop and catch my breath. Got a little dizzy, too. So, you know, and that's not a bad thing as long as you or as long as I was careful. Drank a lot of water. I get almost all the way up, and I ran into these three lovely tourist police who were gracious, wanted to know who I was and where I was from, and they wanted to know if I wa- where I was staying, and was I a solo traveler, and I said, yes, 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 and they said, be careful of your camera. And they said, it's safe here, and it's safe there, and they pointed out some place, p- some places, but be careful of your camera. And we had a nice discussion and then I walked a little farther up, um, steps to the Virgin of Quito statue and she's beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful. And I turned around and look, you can, and I could see all of Quito, all of Quito. It was like a panorama. Go to my website and dianabroad.com and you can see the pictures that I took yesterday. Um, Words will not do it justice. And of course, my photos probably won't either. But I could see the basilica from the top and I knew where I was at where I was heading. Meantime, my GPS, my my, uh, telephone, excuse me, my GPS on my phone, my phone died. My phone died, so I didn't have GPS. But when I was talking to the policeman, they said, where are you staying? And I said, oh, I'm right there near the Basilica. And and I could see it from, I could see it way off from um, the statue area. And they said, just take Venezuela Avenue, which was good to know, because I I don't know, I was going to get down there and get confused. Walked down and... um, the place was teeming with people. It was a Saturday afternoon. It was just teeming. You could, you know, duck in to little, you know, it's like in Spain or Lisbon. You just walk along and suddenly you see a door opening. I mean, there's a kind of a open door that you can't see. It's kind of hidden behind and that doesn't make sense. In other words, you just don't know when there's a bakery or a pastry or a, a restaurant or a little vegetable stand or a little what we might think is a tiny tiny 711 where you can get cigarettes and and so- soda and agua and uh, candy and then of course there're little bars all along the way too S- uh, but i ran into a section that was was a leather area so there were leather shops all around i ducked my head into one i decided i needed so this is the anecdotal part of this podcast, and I'm out of breath. Can you hear it? I'm just sitting on my bed, out of breath. But I wanted a, uh, a strap for my camera, so I ducked into this little leather shop, and there were two um, women and a little girl. It was Stefan, Jessica, and Issa. I think her name was Issa. Issa was three years old. And I think Stefan and Melissa, or excuse me, Jessica were sisters. So they didn't speak much English, but I could point to my camera strap and say I wanted a camera strap, and they said, un momento, and a few minutes later, Eduardo shows up. He mentions I should go upstairs, motions that I should go upstairs with him, and we go upstairs, and there's all this leather all over the place, and um, his sewing machines, I noticed three guitars in the corner of the room, piqued my interest, of course, but I didn't say anything at that point. So we sat, we stood over this big old wooden table and began the best we could with my broken Spanish and his pretty good English trying to figure out how long this strap is going to be, what color, what thread, how wide it was going to be, how it was going to be attached to my camera and so on. So we did all that business kind of thing. We agreed. He said $40, which was high. I said thirty-five. He said okay. I was probably still high, but I'd already invested the time, and um, I was having a good time. So I thought, since breakfast was two dollars, it was two dollars and fifty cents, and it's eighteen dollars a night at the hostel, <laughs> I could just I could afford to give him the money that he's worthy of having for creating right then and there and making for me right then and there a, a guitar strap. Well, so now he's working on the guitar. Isa is sitting there talking to her mother, Jessica. And I said, guitar, And he said, si, guitarra. And he took me over, sat me down, handed me a guitar and said, please, 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 you know, por favor, por favor. So this guitar was rugged. It had been through a lot. It's all banged up dirty frankly it was dirty um the fretboard on a class it was a classical guitar and for those of you in the listening audience who know guitars a classical guitar is a little wider fretboard I have small hands my guitar is not classical so it's a wider fretboard I know I'm going to have trouble playing it and the strings are nylon strings and notoriously difficult to maintain the um, their pitch and you know it just gets out of tune plus the the strings needed replacing. So those are all my excuses. <laughs> so I, you know, I tuned it up and worked hard. The f- The action was a little high. The string's a little little bit away from the fretboard for me. And so that was a little challenge too. But I was determined. And, you, you, you know, if you know me, you know. <sighs> Somebody says, Diane, would you like to play guitar? Do you think I'm going to be shy? Well, no, no, I'm right out there. And you know, it doesn't matter if I'm not good because I have passion. (laughs) At least that's that's what I say to myself. So I tune up this guitar. He's working on my strap. And Jessica and Issa are sitting up there, sort of watching. And I start, I played Blackbird and uh, the Beatles' Blackbird. And I'm doing, uh, now I'm doing Carole King, It's Too Late Baby, you know. It's too late, baby, now it's too late. Da-da-da-da-da. Well, Eduardo comes around, and he says, bravo, bravo, and he hooks my guitar up to the amplifier, and he puts a microphone stand with a microphone right at my, at my uh, mouth. So I keep playing, and I play, um, I continue on with It's Too Late, Baby, I play, um it's what's that tune by the Beatles? It's um In My Life by the Beatles and also Jane Joan Baez Diamonds and Rust. Frankly, that's all I could remember. Uh, without music. And so that was lovely and I had fun with that and then now the strap is done. I get uh I put the guitar back and We, I pay up and it's time to leave. And he says, no, no, no. And he has me sit and he calls down to Stefan, Stefan downstairs, this beautiful young woman looks about her mid thirties, got black hair, beautiful black hair, big black eyes. She had a red lace dress on. She comes upstairs. He hands her the microphone. He sits down and starts to play the classical guitar. Now, truly, I mentioned how tough that guitar is. He was, he was an okay player. He was kind of a mediocre player. I mean, I wasn't good as him, but he was a mediocre player. It's not about competition. Well, maybe it is, but I'm about to tell you this part of the story. So he plays this, this lovely intro, and she begins to sing. She was magnificent, strong voice, beautiful enunciation of the Spanish traditional, it seemed like traditional romantic song. And I thought, what was I doing playing It's Too Late Baby by Carole King? What was I thinking? Loco, loco, Diane, loco, stupido. (laughs) And come to find out she's a professional. She showed me her CD. She said, You must somehow. She said in Spanish, You know, let's be friends on Facebook. She gave me her card. We laughed about it. I said, Oh, you know, I'm terrible. Malo, malo, malo. Bad, bad, bad. And they said, No, no, no. And we qu- sort of sang together. And they asked me to sing a Spanish song. I don't know. I know nothing. So I didn't do that. But I danced with Isa took some pictures of Issa. They took pictures of uh, me. And it was a, just a lovely afternoon. And you know, that was beautiful. Really beautiful. It's all about the people. I love where I'm going. I love what I'm seeing. But it's always about the people, about connecting with people. It's so easy. That's the, that's the gift of travel. This is Diane from Diane Abroad. This uh, podcast went over a few minutes, so I apologize for that. I'll try to cut it back the next time. You can reach me at dianabroad.com. That's D-I-A-N-N. I'm getting my music here, my exit music. And uh, please write to me and uh, go to my website, dianabroad.com, and you can see pictures of Quito. And remember, this is just my first five days in Quito, So that's the waiver. It's not going to be there's lots of the things that I don't know about keto. So I'm doing what I can with what I uh, have with what I know. On the 13th, I'm going to Lima, Peru. I'll be in Lima, Peru for two weeks, another week here and then two weeks in Lima. What a life, huh? What a life. That's what I say. Thank you so much. See you on the podcast.